The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Houston. Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building. Visit Cons today and find out what invincible feels like. Welcome to the Cocky Ride Home for Monday, August 31st, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. An update on Elon Musk's brain implant technology, some slightly bizarre anxiety-reducing exercises, how to make Batman give you driving directions, and the monkey-fighting group of grannies in Japan. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. On Friday afternoon, Elon Musk updated the world on his Neuralink company, which is building an implantable brain-machine interface, or BMI. Or, as Musk described it on Friday, kind of like a Fitbit in your skull. This was the first major update since last year when Neuralink first shared details on their work. Last year, the concept was described as a small device that would be implanted behind a person's ear, with a small hole drilled into the skull and wires going across the surface of the brain. But now, quoting Ars Technica, As in the old design, roughly a thousand electrodes will be inserted into the targeted collection of neurons, and those will connect to an implant above the surface of the brain. But in this case, they'll do so by the shortest route possible, eliminating the need to run the wires across the surface of the brain. The behind-ear hardware is gone as well. Instead, there will be a single implant that spans the skull, essentially replacing part of it. Musk showed off one of the implants, and it represents a major rethinking. He said it was 23 millimeters across, although he didn't specify radius or diameter, and about 8 millimeters thick. The latter chosen as a close match to the thickness of human skulls. The device looks like a very thick coin or miniature hockey puck, and it contains all the hardware needed to keep the implant functional. This includes a battery large enough for all-day operation and the hardware needed for wireless inductive charging. There are also support chips, mostly derived from wearables, that control the charging and enable wireless communication via Bluetooth. End quote. Fans of Trepanation will be glad to hear that this small device, the Link, still requires drilling a hole into your skull. Continuing from Ars Technica, quote, But the central feature is still Neuralink's custom chip designed to identify and transmit patterns of neural activity. Individual neurons, which the electrodes will be listening in on, communicate by firing off a series of what are called spikes, short bursts of electrical activity that stand out from the background noise. Musk said that Neuralink's chip comes programmed with a set of spike templates that match the usual range of behaviors seen in actual neurons. 
The chip will take the analog electrical activity recorded by the electrodes, convert it to digital data, identify any spikes of activity, and then find the template spike that matches the activity best. That allows it to transmit a code that identifies the template, making for a huge compression compared to the complicated, noisy neural activity. And it's absolutely necessary for a device that will be communicating via low bandwidth interface like Bluetooth. End quote. As for implanting the devices, the trickiest parts of the surgery will be performed by a robot that is also being designed by Neuralink, and Musk promises that it will be an outpatient surgery, only requiring topical anesthesia. So far, they're testing the device in pigs, which they showed off at the presentation, and they hope to begin human trials soon, beginning with people who are tetraplegics. The Neuralink has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration here in the U.S. under a breakthrough device designation. Musk says the applications of the Neuralink could be curing paralysis, blindness, deafness, and mental illness, allowing superhuman vision, playing a symphony in your head, and discovering the nature of consciousness. And if all that sounds too good to be true, you might be right. Science journalists like Antonio Regalado at the MIT Technology Review remain skeptical at the lack of real updates to back up such bold claims, and underwhelmed by some displays that aren't necessarily huge advances to neuroscientists. Regalado went so far as to declare Neuralink, quote, neuroscience theater. And ahead of the presentation, STAT released a comprehensive account of Neuralink's internal culture, including the critical insight of former and current employees who describe a chaotic, high-pressure environment with frequently changing goals and timelines. This isn't unusual for Musk's companies or really for the tech industry at large, but tensions can run high when combining tech and medicine, with many employees at Neuralink from the latter accustomed to doing things a bit more by the book. Honestly, that all just makes me think of Spider-Man Far From Home. You know, I think one of the most real depictions in the entire MCU was the fed-up, rebellious employees of a tech mogul who was focused far more on his own experience and own genius than on being a good employer. Hopefully we won't see any former Neuralink employees using the technology they're creating to cause mass hysteria and damage in order to paint themselves as heroes, like a certain snowglobe-headed villain. For now, I just hope the company culture is able to improve at the same pace as the device itself, which, weird and scary as it kind of is, is definitely fascinating, and could change the world if everything goes as planned. Well, if the idea of implanting Bluetooth devices into your skull has maybe stirred up a bit of existential anxiety, maybe I can help with a few kind of odd stress relief exercises. Writing in the New York Times, Jenny Tates, an assistant clinical professor in psychiatry at UCLA, shares some exercises we can do that don't try to ignore or stamp out anxiety so much as lower your stress level by leaning into some of the physical symptoms of anxiety. Some of them are kind of like practicing certain symptoms so that you can better respond to them when they happen organically. Writing in the Times, Tates said, quote, If you struggle with physical sensations of anxiety, like muscle tension and feeling like you can't get enough air, a counterintuitive yet important way to manage is to practice bringing on those sensations in more quiet moments to improve how you tolerate stressful ones. Learning to repeatedly welcome physical symptoms allows you to stop seeing them as catastrophic. In a recent therapy group I led on Zoom, my clients prepared to try this by ordering thin coffee straws. I set my timer for a minute as they pinched their noses and tried to breathe only through the straw. 
We also worked on replicating the other sensations they associated with fear, like muscle tension, dizziness, and shortness of breath. We held a plank, spun in circles, and ran in place. Some people were surprised that the practice experience was worse than the anxiety they normally felt. Others found it similar, which felt liberating. They didn't have to wait for the feelings to catch them off guard, and instead could purposefully habituate themselves to them. End quote. Other exercises Tate suggests are a bit more typical, like listening to calming sounds and serene music. And for this particular exercise, try not to listen to cathartic, sad, or angry music. You want the music to be a bit more affirmational, you know, the kind of mood you should be striving for rather than what you're actually feeling in the moment. And then there's also, of course, breathing, slowing down your breathing to six breaths a minute, or five-second-long inhales followed by five-second-long exhales. And sometimes the calming music can help get you to this paced breathing if you're having trouble to start with. Another exercise is one Tate's calls anchoring. Quoting again, Start by physically centering yourself by digging your heels into the floor. This evokes a feeling of being grounded in reality. Then take a moment to observe. What am I thinking? Feeling in my body? Doing? Then ask yourself, is my response A, helpful, B, aligned with my values now, or C, related to future worries or a past problem. While we can get stuck in specific thoughts, stepping back to more generally decide if those thoughts are helpful can help get us out of rumination mode. It may also help to tape a list of these prompts on your computer to remember to step back and refocus when your thoughts are only making things worse. End quote. And then there's the most bizarre exercise that Tate's recommends, dunking your head in a bowl of ice water. Yeah, really. This is apparently popular in dialectical behavior therapy. It lowers your body temperature and, quote, activates your body's dive response, a reflex that happens when you cool your nostrils while holding your breath, dampening your physiological and emotional intensity, end quote. You basically fill a bowl with ice water and then stick your face in for 15 to 30 seconds, or as long as you can hold your breath. In addition to lowering your body temperature, it also lowers your heart rate. Tates says it immediately shifts people's perspective. But even the act of getting ready to do it can be just as useful because you're sort of pumping yourself up to do it and practicing flexibility. So there you are. If you're feeling a little anxious about the state of the world later today, maybe dunk your head in a bowl of ice water and report back. You may not have a Batmobile, but starting today through Halloween, you can at least use a Batmobile icon in Waze and have the man himself give you directions. You can also have the Riddler give you directions if that's your kind of thing. The special takeover is in celebration of Batman Day on September 19th and the 81st anniversary of Batman's first appearance in comics. The Batman version of the voice directions on Waze is played by Kevin Conroy, who has been the voice of Batman in the animated series since the early 90s, and the Riddler is voiced by Wally Wingert, who was the Riddler in the Batman Arkham video game series. When you open Waze, just hit the button to change the voice, and then select Batman or the Riddler under your language, if you speak English, Spanish, or Portuguese, that is. This special edition is not being offered in any other languages besides those three. And from there, you'll be using a special Gotham City version of Waze, no matter where it is you're going. And there are a bunch of other ways to celebrate Batman Day coming up on September 19th. I will probably mention it again at some point because there's some cool stuff going on. But if you want to check it out for now and start planning, I will put a link in the show notes to a rundown of some of the events and promotions happening. 
Now, if you want some real-world heroes to celebrate, look no further than the self-declared Monkey Busters of Japan. Three elderly women armed with airsoft guns keeping monkeys away from their village's crops. The monkeys have been a big problem in the prefecture of Fukui, where the women live, destroying fruits and vegetables grown by the residents for the past five years. This past spring, the local government hosted a class to teach residents how to get rid of the monkeys. All three women took the class and have now taken it upon themselves to control the situation in their village of Keishi Town. Reports say that the three are so dedicated that they often drop everything in order to scare a monkey with their airsoft guns when needed, frequently appearing still in their aprons, which they donned for a photo shoot with a Japanese newspaper creating photos that looked like the coolest Charlie's Angel reboot ever. One of the women, 74-year-old Masako Ishimura, her husband told the newspaper, quote, There are many elderly people in the Miyama area, and the cultivation of fields is indispensable for health and vitality. It is necessary for the area to continue working together in the future, end quote. Interestingly, Newsweek reports that a similar invasive monkey problem exists in a village in India, where locals have taken to dressing up in a bear costume in turn to scare away the monkeys. All these creative problem solvers out there, you love to see it. We probably won't see this kind of issue at American farms anytime soon, however, because according to The Atlantic, the U.S. is actually facing a monkey shortage. Monkeys are very important for testing vaccines, and with all the ones in the works right now, it's become incredibly difficult to find monkeys. Quoting The Atlantic, The reasons for the shortage are threefold. First, COVID-19 has created extraordinary demand for monkeys. Second, this coincided with a massive drop in supply from China, which provided 60% of the nearly 35,000 monkeys imported to the U.S. last year, and which shut off exports after COVID-19 hit. And third, these pandemic-related events are exacerbating pre-existing monkey shortfalls. A 2018 National Institutes of Health report found that NIH-funded national primate centers would be unable to meet future demand and specifically discussed a strategic monkey reserve to provide surge capability for unpredictable disease outbreaks. A disease outbreak is upon us. The strategic monkey reserve was never created. End quote. Monkeys are typically used as the last test before human trials because they are so remarkably similar to us. However, the two most commonly used species of monkeys have been found to only get mildly ill from COVID-19. So some scientists have been studying hamsters instead because they get sick from COVID-19 in ways more similar to humans and because they're smaller and easier to care for anyways. Unfortunately, there is an unprecedented level of coordination happening to make sure the trials that need monkeys have them and work being done to limit how many monkeys need to be used in the future. But while the shortage still lasts, the cost of monkeys for scientific research has skyrocketed. The cost of a rhesus macaque has doubled to $10,000. Just think, here we're paying ten grand to get our hands on a monkey, and in parts of Japan and India, they're forming vigilante groups to get rid of them. What a world. So I watched Class Action Park over the weekend, the first full-length documentary about the deadly 1980s New Jersey amusement park that just debuted on HBO Max. It was something. I will say, if you listened to my segment on it earlier this summer or have done your own research, it won't be as mind-blowing as it is to casual viewers because you've heard a lot of the most astonishing insights already. 
But there were plenty of contextual details I was unaware of, also some rumors that got a bit busted, and it was kind of remarkable how some of the former employees were just sort of laughing through their regrets and painful memories in a very Tiger King employee sort of way. The film does end on kind of a sad note, acknowledging the real tragedies that occurred at the park, but it also makes an intriguing statement about Gen X as a whole, mostly through the reflections of interviewee Chris Gethard. Overall, the documentary is solidly in my favorite category of WTF, and for that category is very well made. I will definitely be watching it second, maybe third time. So again, it is Class Action Park on HBO Max. Link to the trailer in the show notes. Now I am going to go see if Waze will lead me to the Batcave. I am in Gotham City after all. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.